and welcome to Myth Monsters. My name is Erin and I'll be your host for these little snack bite-sized podcasts on folklore and mythical monsters from around the world. These podcasts focus on the actual cryptids, folklore and mythic monsters from global mythology rather than focusing on the full stories of heroes and their big adventures. I'll also be dropping in some references that they have to recent culture and where you can see these represented in modern day content so that you can learn more and get as obsessed as I am about these absolute legends of the mythological world. Ho ho ho, happy holidays! It's our last episode of the year and we are doing something slightly associated with the holidays but not as well known as other monsters we've covered in previous years. So, what are we covering? Well, we're heading over to eastern Scandinavia, through the islands of Iceland and the Faroe Islands, to look at a monster that is often joked about in this part of the world. Yes, we are looking at the fairy mound and hill house dwelling creatures, the Hoodlefolk, for this year's holiday special. The Hoodlefolk are often described as elves, and most commonly as hidden people. These creatures are almost identical to people, and the only way to tell them apart is that Hoodlefolk have an outstanding philtrum of the upper lip, where humans, we have a little concave one instead. They have their own communities, and live in the fairy mounds or natural mounds within these two countries, as well as in the dips of hills and cliffs. Hoodlefolk are sometimes represented as being tiny elves that are only around six inches tall. However, they can actually be any size and are most likely to be running around as normal people. They often wear all grey or all green traditional 19th century Icelandic clothes and their hair is very often all black, which is very different to normal Icelandic, which is very blonde. They mostly live normal lives like us. They will have jobs, go to church, their children will play with others, but they do all of this within a parallel world, behind the rocks and caves of Iceland, mirroring everything we do in their own communities, which gives them that other title, the hidden people. However, that doesn't mean that they do not interact with humans. Whilst they are on our side of the world, they are usually completely invisible but they can be seen by children and can make themselves visible to adults that they deem worthy. Like most elven or spirit myths from around this part of the world, they like to be respected and offered things. Local communities to fairy mounds will very often build them house fronts to place in front of the dips in the cliffs where they live, or they'll pray to the elves for good fortune whilst leaving them food and drink. It is advised in Iceland not to throw stones, so as not to hit the hidden people, and not to call them by their real name, the Alphar, to avoid their wrath. What their wrath results in, though, we're not actually too sure, other than mischief and accidents. They are known for stealing important things, such as tools, but can also break machinery, cars, or anything of high importance, but it's never said exactly what they do to cause it, or why people are so afraid of angering them. They are mostly benevolent though, and because they have this hidden world that mirrors ours, we believe that there are differing genders who can go on to procreate and have children, therefore continuing the race. However, the hidden folk rely on their homes not being destroyed on the other side, so Icelanders naturally try and protect places like fairy mounds 
for the Huddle Folk. There are a couple of instances and events where the Huddle Folk are celebrated throughout the Faroe Islands and Iceland. Most importantly, for this holiday special, it's at Christmas. When Icelanders hold parties in their houses, it is customary to clean up after themselves and to leave food for the elves for their own late-night partying on this night. On New Year's Eve, it's thought that the Huddle Folk will move to new homes or visit other mounds, so it's traditional to leave candles out to help them find their way. On the 13th night, which is January 6th and is the official last day of Christmas in Iceland, bonfires called Alfabrenner or elf fires are lit that night. However, Midsummer's Night is one of the most interesting nights for them. It's believed that standing at a crossroads during the late hours may bring wandering huddle folk to you, and they will lure you with gifts and money. It's believed that taking these gifts will lead to misfortune, and refusing them will lead to extremely good luck. Now, moving swiftly on to etymology, huddle folk very literally means hidden people in Icelandic, so that one is nice and easy, and it is the English term for them as well. As I said earlier though, this isn't their actual name. It's actually a synonym for their real name, Alfar, which literally translates to elves, and is said to wind them up when you say it, so I guess I'm in for a rough time. Before we indulge in history though, I just want to clarify the geography, because it is so small. The Faroe Islands are a group of 18 Scandinavian islands in the Norwegian Sea, and they sit just over Scotland and the UK on the map. They are a Danish territory, but they speak their own Faroese language and have their own folklore, but it's heavily inspired by other Scandinavian countries due to, of course, a Viking influence. Iceland sits further east still, and again is part of Scandinavia, although being further away from the main Scandinavian countries we think of. Again though, they have their own language and folklore as well as having a Scandi influence. Now, onto their actual history. This goes back to the Viking era, with our old favourite text, the Poetic Edda, which if you've heard any of my Norse mythology monsters before, you will know of this text. It's one of the oldest known to mankind, and we believe this was written in about the 10th century. Elves were within this, and they were noted to be fertility symbols, but not much else was spoken about them within it. However, elves within Scandinavian and Viking folklore were really big, with differing types all across the different countries. Elves are actually a big part of Norse mythology as well, and are considered to be their own race. There are different types, such as the Svartafar, the Dokalfar, and the Lossafar, or in English, the Black Elves, the Dark Elves, and the Light Elves, all of which were crafters that rivaled the dwarves of Norse folklore. I covered general elves not too long ago, so I won't go too into them here, but they are just generally pretty widespread across Norse myth and across Scandinavian folklore. Huddle folk are just another type that are specifically from Iceland and the Faroe Islands that can turn invisible instead. That is the only difference, but they are technically a class of elves. Iceland itself was not settled on until the Vikings did in 870 AD, and was officially part of Denmark until 1918 after the First World War. And the Faroe Islands were thought to be inhabited by Scots, 
Celts or other Scandinavians before the Vikings invaded in the 800s, and the Faroe Islands were actually then declared part of Norway until 1814, when they were officially handed over to Denmark. And whilst they are still a sovereign country under them today, they are technically an independent nation now, but they are also still considered a Danish realm. But why is all of that important? Well, mainly because it's interesting to give geographical context, but also the Vikings are a huge part of Huddle Folk history. This is because they all originate from within this folklore, carried from Vikings from Denmark and the rest of Scandinavia to all of those exterior islands to those three main countries we really think of. But this was followed swiftly by Christianity, and this swept across Iceland and the Faroe Islands in the 11th century, and brought a completely new concept of the Hulfolk with it. The Icelandic Christians rewrote the tales of elves to say that they could be traced back to Adam and Eve, and they said that they were the dirty, unwashed children of Eve herself, and she wanted to hide them from God. God found them and declared that what man hides from God, God will hide from man leading to their invisibility. Another theory is that they were the children of Lilith, Adam's first wife, and so were fallen angels, condemned to live in the space between heaven and hell. Following all of this, though, and the Christianisation of these countries, there was actually a movement to ban dancing in Iceland in the 12th century, and the elves were thought to love dancing. So in one folktale, the Hulfolk rebelled with the townspeople to bring back dancing and got revenge on the local sheriff who imposed it to bring them back to show that Icelanders loved and missed dancing and therefore kind of linked to their elvish cousins. The ban, of course, was eventually lifted altogether, but it's a nice little story. It's believed that the Hulfolk were a representation of happier times within Iceland and showed the potential for happy living in a parallel world through tough times, and so encouraged Icelanders to strive to be like the Hulfolk, making them a very real national inspiration and hero. Another interpretation is that they represent the native landscape, filled with volcanoes, earthquakes, landslides and avalanches. It was a way to explain the unseeable things that caused these disasters that happened out of the blue with such disregard to human life and it's much easier to blame it on a supernatural entity when you don't understand the geography of the place you are on. Realistically, for Icelanders, it's a case of if you annoyed the elves in the hills, you would get a landslide, and this really is mirrored in other cultures when it comes to cautionary myths about the landscape that you're on, but also about a creature that could take you away and there's no reasonable explanation behind it other than supernatural within those times. Of course, we know better now, but back then, they totally didn't. Speaking of modern times, now they represent the Icelandic identity and culture, and they are a source of pride for the locals, and a symbol of their country and landscape being so unique and pure. They are still massively believed in, and as well as the locals building houses for them, they also actively avoid fairy mounds and known folk dwellings when building for people. There's a great modern example of this with Asforvega, or Elf Hill Road in English, which is a road in Iceland that was at one point intended to run through Afhol, 
which is a hill where elves are believed to live. Construction was begun on this road on two separate occasions, but each time a collection of misfortunes and thefts prevented it from being completed, very much pointing to the elves, and the builders were very much believers and decided not to continue. Eventually, though, the road was finished, but a stone had to be moved after a seer negotiated with the elves and now has its own street number on the other side of the road and is considered to be an elven church. In 1982, over a hundred Icelanders went and protested at a NATO base for building near an elf dwelling, and they demanded that they either move or prove that there were no elves nearby. And in 2004, a company called Alcoa had to halt construction to inspect for elven ruins, and they hired a government official to come and look at the place. They did eventually build, though. In regards to statistics, though, 54% of Icelanders believe that they could exist, but only 5% are completely convinced that they are. There are places you can go and visit and get your elven education, such as the elf school in Reykjavik, where you can have a class for two to three hours for about 64 USD. This school holds all the testimonies for people who have witnessed elves, and they have over 900 accounts on record so far, but their classes generally cover elven and Icelandic history. There is also the Hafnafjordir Elf Circle route, which is a guided 90-minute walking tour around the elven hills. I fully intend on doing both the next time I'm over in Iceland, and I generally love to go to the Faroe Islands, as they have the most amazing folklore. But if you are over there, I highly recommend both of these activities if you're at all interested in elven history. Now, this is usually the part where I talk about real life and mythical comparisons, but realistically, there aren't many things I can compare these to in real life in regards to animal or people examples. Of course, they are a type of elf, so that's the easiest mythical comparison that I have, but realistically, they are those things, so I'm not really comparing them, so it's a bit tricky. They also really remind me, though, of household spirits from Norse folklore, the Tomta, who live in a parallel universe within the halls and walls of houses, collecting things forgotten by humans, and they also demand to be respected. In that case, though, we realistically can compare all household spirits, and most recently we've covered kobolds, but there are brownies, hobgoblins, boggarts, and all of those others too. I have covered some of these before, but the rest are yet to be done. I'm actually really excited to cover the Tomta at some point. They are one of my favourite Scandinavian myth monsters. But you can totally see the comparison between the household spirits that I've mentioned and the Alpha or the Hoodle Folk. There are certainly some differences there, but there are also some big similarities. But let's move on to modern media. I've got a few things specifically for Hoodle Folk this week, but realistically a lot are just fey and elven parts. I've most picked up on tropes around hidden elven villages and all of those kind of things, so I hope that this works for you. For art, I would really recommend looking at the pictures of houses that people have made for the Huddle Folk in Iceland and the Faroe Islands, because they are unbelievably cute, as well as having a look at the fairy mounds that are across Scandinavia. 
but otherwise there are loads of independent art pieces for these sweet little creatures too. You can also go and visit those fairy mounds that they live in throughout Iceland and the Faroes, and the most famous is Elfin Hill, or there's Alphaborg, and you can get out there and have a look. I really, really recommend going to see them for just a really cool geographical thing, or architectural thing, I suppose, naturally. So get on out there if you can. In movies, though, we have Eurovision, The Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit, Huddle Folk 102, Huddle Folk The Hidden People, Kung Fu Panda 3, Thor Ragnarok, Trolls, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, Hilda and the Mountain King, Black Panther Wakanda Forever, The Santa Claus, and Snow White and the Huntsman. For TV, we have Hilda, Let's Go Luna, Queen's Blade, Merlin, Barbie Presents Thumbelina, Disenchantment, The Dragon Prince, Trolls, My Little Pony Friendship is Magic, Rings of Power, Black Clover, Kulipari and Army of Frogs, Adventures of the Gummy Bears, and Avatar The Last Airbender. In video games, we have ones such as Kingdom of Amalur, Reckoning, The Legend of Zelda, World of Warcraft, Dragon Age, Tuhu Project, Skies of Arcadia, World of Mana, Wildstar, Sequoiden, Runescape, Tales of Symphonia, Shining Force 2, One Way Heroics, Loom, Wild Arms, The Elder Scrolls, The Legend of Dragoon, Night Bewitched, Final Fantasy, Dragon Quest, Bravely Default 2, Kingdom of Loathing, and Arcanum of Steamworks and Magic Obscura. My book recommendation this week is very specific. It is The Little Book of the Hidden People, 20 Stories of Elves from Icelandic Folklore by Alda Sigmund's daughter for some really lovely stories from Iceland about these monsters specifically. They've got some really, really cool stories in here about these monsters, and they are suitable for kids too. Now it's time for Do I Think They Existed? I'm going to say no on this one, but this makes me actively sad. I really wish I could believe in elves that live in hills in a parallel universe, but even saying it like that really does make it sound quite far-fetched to me. It makes me sad, because I think the concept is fantastic, and it feels very Scandinavian to me, but realistically, I just can't get behind it, I'm afraid. However, I do think I'm in the minority here. They are very, very, very real for some Icelanders, and the fact that I'm not a believer would blow their mind. But I adore the fact that that belief is still so prevalent and respected. I also love that this is now a nod to being Icelandic within that, and that Icelanders are still so incredibly proud of this creature within their folklore, and this makes me incredibly happy as a folklorist. My favourite interpretation of this is actually in Hilda, a Netflix animated show where Huddle Folk are tiny, invisible elves that are obsessed with paperwork and order, and they live around normal people, but invisibly, meaning their houses and their lives are always affected by people, and they can't really do much about it. Her friend in the show is actually called Alpha, which I think is a great nod to it too. But my other favourite is obviously the Eurovision movie. If you've not watched it, especially if you're not European, you will love it. Will Ferrell's in it, I don't know what else you need. But these creatures are represented so brilliantly within it, with a really good comedic twist. 
But what do you think? Did the Huddle Folk live in these little hill houses in Iceland? Let me know on Twitter. I would love to know what you think about this one. What a fabulous monster to finish off the year with. I've wanted to cover these for such a long time, so I am thrilled that we've had time to, and that they fit in with our holiday special theme of wintry monsters, but also that little nod to Christmas and to New Year's. It's just the perfect one. And whilst I don't usually lean towards any religious kind of holidays, it makes sense within the culture that they're from, and this was the most prevalent religion at the time, so that's why we've mentioned it and why it's come up, and it works with the winter theme, so forgive me. Anyway, we are having a little break now until the new year, just to celebrate the festivities for an extra week. But on the 4th of January, we are back to look at a creature from all over the world. I want to make sure that you hide any teeth under your pillow for the Tooth Fairy when we come back in two weeks in 2024. For now though, thank you so much for listening. It's been an absolute pleasure If you enjoyed this podcast, please give it a rating on the service you were listening on. I've got the Twitter for any questions or suggestions on what monsters to cover next, and I'd really love to hear from you. The social media handles for TikTok, YouTube, Threads, and Instagram are Myth Monsters Podcast, and the Twitter is Myth Monsters Pod. All of our content can be found at mythmonsters.co.uk, and you can find us on Good Pods, Buy Me a Coffee, and Patreon if you want to help me fund the podcast too. Come join the fun though, share this with your pals, they might love me as much as you do. But for now, stay spooky, and I'll see you next year, babes. 